You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the recent news about 23andMe's selling of user data. My name is Major, and I'm here with Darshan Kulkarni. Darshan, what are the ethics involved? You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle Podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gavel and Pestle Podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. Hey, this is Darshan. Just before uh, you listen to the podcast, make sure you remember, this is not legal advice. This is also not medical advice, and um, it's not construction advice, so don't take construction advice from me. Also, this does not create an attorney-client relationship, so don't be saying that I just gave you legal advice again. Talk to a lawyer who knows you that can give you advice that's right for you. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll talk soon. Oh, let's see. This is going to be a really interesting topic, Major, because we can talk about ethics. We can talk about commercials commercial law, we can talk a little bit about what this means to patients, and we're probably going to land up talking about a lot of things. And just well, so we know, down, and- calm down. How does this affect me? How does this affect a user who's used their services? Now, I haven't used their services, but for, from a patient-centric perspective, are they at, at, in danger of any kind, or like what, what does this mean for them? So, as a pay, as a potential customer, and, and that's probably the right word for this customer, I think it'd be really hard to argue that they are patients. Um, the, these companies, so, so let's talk a little bit about their service first before we start talking about what the implications are. So these services have been around for a few years. One of the big advantages of these services was that they came out and said, you know what, you're just sort of curious about who you are as a person, we'd be able to tell you uh, if you're three-fourth Caucasian, two, uh, 20% from Denmark, 12% from Nambia, uh, Namibia, uh, 2%, um, I don't know, uh, from from Chile, we, we can do that and we can give you information. So it came out more from curiosity, from people doing like ancestral research, if you will. But then there was this next step and there were companies that said, we can tell you your likelihood to get certain disease states. And uh, there, you, and basically saying you have a 18% likelihood of getting breast cancer and 32% likelihood of getting ovarian cancer and some cancer um, and other types of diseases. Um, so that became version two. There was at one point a pushback from the FDA saying, well, how do you actually know this? And what, what these companies tried to push back and say was, well, we there, there is some data out there on in these journals that say that 18% of people with this allele, with this genetic information, are likely to get this disease state. Well, that's all well and good, but they weren't trying to prove your specific, um, they, they weren't trying to say exactly what you were saying. You're going to have to connect it better, is what the FDA said. So a lot of these companies had to go back to the drawing board and um, and try to reassess uh, how those connections were being made. The funny part was this: that was never the end game. While everyone was looking at, oh, this is a harmless little tool for us to have access to, uh, to find out what my DNA says. In their terms of terms of service, always included in it this idea that. Um, how should we put this? This idea that their data, their their the, the stuff that makes them them, their genetic information, 
is was going to be used and and provided to others at um and and what they were they weren't they were going to be part of this giant science experiment if you will and that is hugely problematic because not a lot of people knew that that was always in the in the plans if you will and and that's that i think is what scared a lot of people this came out uh 23andme's latest notice was they have agreed to a deal with GlaxoSmithKline, and I believe it was like $230 million. And what they're doing is providing access to all the people that they have genetic information on so that GlaxoSmithKline can start finding out more. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong about getting people's data and being able to use it to, to find disease states. In fact, there are studies out there that say that patients want to be able to help further um, science. So there's no, nothing inherently wrong about that. The, um, the, the, the problem that exists is the, the seeming duplicitousness where people didn't understand, even though it was in the terms of service, they didn't understand that they were signing up to give their data away. And what I find is really interesting is the, stick, is the second part of this, which is, uh, and, and Barbara Kimmel has this really uh, great article. Uh, she, she has this organization, and she talks about building trust within and outside organizations. And one of the key pieces of that is this idea of transparency. And maybe one day we'll, we'll get lucky and we can invite her over to the podcast. But she, she talks about building trust within organizations and, and having transparency. And the big question that we have is were these companies transparent enough in what they were doing? Wasn't there a problem with, I mean, everyone knows about the issues with Facebook and its transparency and the, and the user data. Yeah. Uh, how, how is this, how does this compare? Does it, I mean, it, it has to, now it's not genetic information, but you know, the, it, it is information about people, not anonymous right. or not. So there's a, there's a privacy element there that, that is huge. Yeah, and I think that that's the huge element, right? So everyone's, oh, and there was a, before we got on this this podcast, Major, you and I had this brief conversation where you, you mentioned that, oh, we had some people who were giving their genetic information away, but they were using their fake name. Right. So they were using a fake name. So, so like I read some more customers, it's possible people can use fake names with their submissions. So the idea is that if their data is sold and the dots are connected to link their names to their genetic info, it wouldn't be linked to them. Now, here's a question for you, Darshan. Wouldn't that taint the data? Maybe for marketing purposes, I understand, but would it skew the genetic information they're selling if it's anonymous? As if it's as anonymous as they're claiming it is, does it even matter? Well, that's the real question, right? So it, it comes down to what kind of data is a being sold, and b does that matter in the longer in the larger scheme of things? Because does your name change who you are? If you have a risk of getting breast cancer, whether you're called Rose or you're called Susan. The risk still exists. So the the while I I understand that it's um, it maybe skews people from looking at your medical records, which you couldn't access anyways because of HIPAA reasons or because of GDPR reasons. Um, the, what what in aggregate this data, whether or not your name is connected to it, is is going to be a treasure trove of information for pharmaceutical companies and the like. And the, the next question that comes out of this is. Pharmaceutical companies in general suffer from um, 
a PR nightmare, if you will. Yeah. They're, they're, trying, they're in the business of saving lives, but they're still one of... I think the only people ranked worse than pharmaceutical companies are like gun manufacturers and lawyers, which is not exactly the best place to be. As a lawyer, I can tell you that. Um, so so the, the, the funny part about that is um, engaging and connecting with a company that is that is being called out for not being transparent enough, is that in the best interest of a pharmaceutical company is another question to ask. Now, someone might say, and it depends on what type of ethics systems you use, someone might say that the, uh, the results um, justify the means. So the fact that you will come up as a pharmaceutical company and discover new treatments and save many, many, many new lives is outweighs the the fact that maybe some people didn't understand that their information was going to be sold. And, and that's a ethical quandary. But some people would say that it's the means that matter, not the results. The fact that you're going to eventually um, save lives does not justify how you got there. One of, one of the key examples of this is sort of the, the Nazi prison experiments. And I, I hate to draw that correlation, but there were some great inventions that came out of the Nazi prison experiments, but people will routinely come out and say, that's all well and good, but how we got there was not a good idea. And and that's one of the questions that, that companies need to start thinking about and questioning and going, who are we connecting ourselves with? Does it make sense? Was the adequate disclosure? And again, I, I, I'm not comparing any of these companies with Nazis, obviously, I just want to be very clear about that. But it, it's it's a parallel from an ethics viewpoint about how disclosure is important and about how um, how the uh, ends do not always justify the means. Right. Um, I have a question actually about the, yeah. the if you're in the EU, right? So this, this is yeah. a whole other umbrella in Pandora's box. So the GDPR, the General yeah. Data Protection Regulation, it has a right to be forgotten. There's a, there's a clause for yeah. that. That means yeah. you must be able to delete your data. Uh, now, yeah. if, if you're under that umbrella under, with the EU and you choose to delete your data from 23andMe, is that pulled from the anonymous data that's shared? How do you know? So the first question to ask is, number one, is this data being used within Europe or was this data always connect, collected in the U.S.? Number Because if you're in the U.S., GDPR may or may not necessarily apply, uh, depending on whether you're an EU citizen or not and all those good things. Number two... Um, the right to be forgotten apply, is not always uh, retroactively available. So you, you can't, for example, engage in a clinical trial and then say, forget me. You have the right to stop from that point on, but not necessarily retroactively. So hmm. you, the, the right to be forgotten is not as absolute as a lot of people believe it is. So, um, well, and, and again, we can always bring a GDPR expert on this podcast and talk to them. Yeah, but but I, I think that the point here is it's a, it's a very valid concern that the data that's already been given may already be the damage is done. Um, the other question to start asking is um, you you may or may not have heard of the Henrietta Lacks case, right? Mm -hmm. um, have have you heard about this situation before? Is that the one where I'm going to say no instead of okay? Let, let's just around. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so the Henrietta Lacks case, and this was actually a book uh, that was written by Rebecca Sloot, 
uh, which was made into a HBO movie where Oprah acted in it. So it's, it's a pretty big, and, and, and I've actually heard Rebecca speak. She's a great speaker. Um, but it reminds me, it echoes some of these major concerns again. Um, in that specific instance, it was a woman, uh, a black woman based in Baltimore, who I, I believe she went to Johns Hopkins, and um, there was a famous doctor there who, uh, who took her cells. Uh, she had cancer. She died. Those cells turned out to be really, really, really useful, and they were called HeLa cells, and they got um, sent and used and commercialized, and billions and billions of dollars were made off of them, but her family never benefited from any of that money. And, uh, and that, that's the real question being asked now. If you are using my genetic data, do I have the right individually to benefit from that information as well? Why do you, 23andMe, benefit without me benefiting? Why do you, GlaxoSmithKline, benefit without you benefiting me? So with things like blockchain, with Things like uh, can you argue that the benefit is the providing of the service that they're providing, or is because it's being paid for they're already compensated for that service? So that that's really the question, right? So it, it depends on how. So I, I'm sure that's the the argument that 23andMe would make, right? They would say that you were billed 150 dollars for um for the service. If I was not going to be able to use your data, I would have billed you 350 dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since we didn't bill you, you implicitly agreed to this. However, someone would say, if, if I would have known that I had the option to pay $350 and keep this data, I would have done that. You never offered that option to me. So there, there is a whole discussion that goes along with it. Um, then there's a whole discussion that goes along with the fact that, well, I already told you that I'm going to do this with the data. I reserve that right. The fact that you didn't read the agreement does not necessarily mean that uh, that you aren't bound by it, which is a valid point as well. There's a third point that goes with it, which is, and this is a counter to the, to the last point, was who actually reads these, um, these agreements uh, in these specific instances? Everyone talks about how no one reads your Apple agreement, no one reads your Microsoft agreement. Is this the same exact concept? None of what we just said about GDPR actually made sense. Just to be clear, I know, I know. Anyone, uh, I know that, that that is just for the people who it's are like going using toe socks to make coffee. You just don't do it. Yeah, you're really still in your toe socks, aren't you? I know, man. I just can't. <laughs> Weeks now. Weeks. Anyway. Okay. So um, where, where were we before you sneezed? I, I totally got off topic. My, I'm sorry. No, we were just discussing the uh, the cells and and the right that uh, pharmaceutical companies have. And the right that 23andMe had to use this data. Um, do the, the last point I made was: um, is a uh, shrink wrap agreement uh, that may be used in a genetic kit similar to a shrink wrap agreement used by a uh, by Office or by by Microsoft Office or by um, Google or by uh, anyone else uh, when when you sign up for their services that no one ever reads them, and therefore what what do you give up and what do you agree to when you participate? I, I think those are all going to be genetic, uh, genetically important, I guess, and, and sort of um, important from a data viewpoint as we continue. Uh, there, in fact, knowing that this is going to happen, and um, both 23andMe, but also Ancestry.com and Helix and the like all came out and they uh, put out a agreement on how they are going to 
use data going forward. And we're, gonna have, we're probably going to try to have another talk about um, what that agreement says. We'll put a link to it. It's called the privacy pledge that they put in, but we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But President Trump has come out. He's talked about having some kind of GDPR-like protections. We don't know what that will look like. California is starting to talk about having some um, privacy protections in place. Um, but what happens to the patients who already given their data? Um, then there's going to be a whole discussion around um, what can and should pharmaceutical companies do? Who owns this data? Who, whose intellectual property is this? Um, and, and then there's this other piece that's going on where you've got all these pharmaceutical companies talking about privacy and maintaining patient, patient privacy, but at the same time, they're required to be transparent about their dealings. Are you being transparent and are you building trust in this type of situation? These are all, this is all a model set of questions that, that companies are going to have to start thinking about. Um, so stay tuned. We'll probably do another podcast talking about this. This was sort of a hot topic, but we wanted to raise it. Oh, it's you just uh, not going anywhere anytime soon. But so we discussed uh, quite a bit in this episode, quite a few different perspectives related to the recent news about 23andMe selling the anonymous data of its users. I'm sure we'll, we'll jump into that uh, more later. Thanks a lot for your yeah. time, guys. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Darshan. Thanks for listening in. I really want to talk to you. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Darshan Kukarni. And if you want to find me any other way, but you can always email me as well. Darshan at conformlaw.com. Thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to hear from you.